1: Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. want to give a shout out, by the way, to my good friend and our head chef, Father Ben Bradshaw. How are you doing, yeah. Father Ben? I know he's listening. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, we got a cool show, Tom. It is going to be very cool. Tom Dorian, my sidekick, wingman. Yes, indeed. We have got such a cool
0: show. We're going to talk about the Mass. This is going to be cool, especially where you're coming from on this. Oh, absolutely. we are going back a little
1: bit. We're going way back. Yeah. We're putting on our way, getting the way back machine. Yes. Um, and let me just tell you, let me set this up first. Okay. We're going to talk about the Mass. All right. As we experience it today, mm-hmm. but kind of connect it to the way it happened in the past. Okay. Because I want to dispel some rumors out there, some thoughts that people might have about the Catholic Mass. Yeah, like you made it up. Exactly. Well, let me just start with this. Uh, this this story, which mm-hmm. not a story, but uh, it's something that happened to me mm-hmm. recently. I was invited to go to a Bible study at a uh, a Church of Christ church, okay. and so I show up at the Church of Christ church, and, and they start asking me about all these things and mm-hmm. Catholic things. They want to know more about the Catholic Church, and so it was like a, a Bible study that was just let's find out more about our other Christian neighbors, and we're right around the corner from Great. the church I was at. Great so, idea, yeah. So we go over there and start talking about all things Catholic. Well, one of the things they mentioned to me, which was kind of interesting, it's kind of a side conversation. Mm-hmm. They brought up the fact that this, this, this was a younger group, a younger, upwardly mobile something businessman's Bible study. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about this concept they had called the restoration. Now, this is not to be confused with, with the Reformation. Okay. This is the restoration. And the restoration within this group of people within the Church of Christ was they wanted to get back mm-hmm. to the original worship. This was their goal. Their goal was, they were like, we, you know what, Deacon, what we wanted to do is we're, we're looking like, what did they do way back when?
0: Did you happen to have this material with I you? I
1: didn't uh, share this with them because we didn't have time because it was at the end of a conversation. Oh, but great. I, I I wanted them to invite me back so I could share it with them. But you know what? They may tune into the Catholic Cafe. I don't know. Yeah. And they're going to hear this today because that actually poses a very interesting concept.
0: Yeah. would right? They're it?
1: like, hey, we want to go back and see what happened way back. What did it look like? Well, but also, even... Every other Protestant of every other flavor will Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes either accuse or or ask, inquire of a Catholic, well, when did you all start inventing all these rituals, all these human things that you do, Mm -hmm. these human traditions? You know, wearing all these vestments and, the you know, the guy with the pointy hat right. and the guy with the <laughs> holy smoke and how you guys say this. And you all are, uh, get confused with the, with the bowing and the sitting and the kneeling and the mm-hmm. standing. It gets confusing to a lot of people who are not Catholic. Absolutely. And you know what? Even Catholics will sometimes go, well, you know what, Mr. Protestant, I don't know where we got that. Right. I don't know when we started doing that. Yeah. But. What I do want to do is connect those two things, the idea that we invented things with the idea of going back and seeing how things were originally done. Makes sense. Uh, and we're going to do that today on this edition of the Catholic Cafe. We're going to look at now the mass of the early Christians going way back to those first Christians. And we w- luckily, mm-hmm. I stumbled upon, which is, I'm saying that silly because this is all over the place. Right documents that some people haven't necessarily read or spent time with, and these are the writings of the early church fathers. Right. These are the guys way back when, and I'm talking way back when. Right. This thing that I'm going to read and focus on today uh, comes from St. Justin Martyr. Okay. And St. Justin Martyr was writing around 150 A.D. That is way back when. That's way back when. <laughs> you know, this is 1,800 and some odd years ago. Right. That's a long time ago. Yep. And, and what I want to do is start to read like, well, what was mass like then? What did they do? What was Christian worship look like? What or, did it look or, like Or was then? there even
0: a mass then?
1: You know, that's a great point. We call it mass, don't right, we? Right, right. And you think, well, where'd that come from? Because they didn't call it that. I looked at the Bible. Don't see that word. But you see other words. Mm-hmm. And then you also read other church documents, other church fathers, and you hear expressions like this. You hear expressions like the breaking of the bread the sacrifice, the offering, the oblation. We even hear words like sacrament, the mysteries, the table of the Lord, the Lord's Supper, the chalice, the altar, the passion of the Lord, the presence, the communion. These are all expressions that are all throughout church history. We hear these expressions has, used to refer to the worship.
0: Has mass written all over it.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. There's also this word. It's a Greek word called Laturgia which means the liturgy, mm-hmm. which translates at, that's where we get the word liturgy from, mm-hmm. liturgia, and it translates basically roughly as a public service, a public work. Okay. So this is a public worship, mm-hmm. and they used to call this worship of Christians the liturgy, the public work of the church. Makes sense. And it's still called that today, mm-hmm. right? But what's cool is, because well, where did the word mass come from? Mm-hmm. Well, it comes from Interestingly, a dismissal that's used, that's always been used, where the deacon dismisses the service, dismisses the, the public worship. And he says in Latin, ite misa est, which basically translates as go or be sent. It's over. It's ended. Thanks be gone. Right, get on out of here. Yep. It's done. Go. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a mission. Right. Right. That's where we get the word mission from. If you're on a mission, that word comes from misa. It means it's over. It's t- go be sent. Right? Right. So ite misa est is go. It's, it's over. That go part means that you have something to do now. Mm-hmm. Well, this is where we get the word mass from. So when we talk about mass, we're talking about the mission of the church, that once you receive these sacred mysteries, you, once you receive these sacraments, we are to, to, to share them with others. Right. right. But one of the words that, that we see earliest that's really, really powerful in describing this mass that we have today is Eucharist we see this all eucharistia is the greek word it comes from but eucharist it just means thanksgiving right and the giving of thanks and so this has been the most popular understanding uh, or description of the word the mass that we have today right so even in our word mass we see some sense of history that's developed but the function is going to be very interesting let's see what they, what they did can't wait. Right. So let's start. I'm going to read from St. Justin Martyr. And this is a, a document called his first apology or his not he's not sorry for something here. It's a, a first defense. In other words, a first listing or a confession of faith or just basically writing out, this is what we do. And he's one of the fathers of the church. That's right. And so what year is this? 150 A.D. Yeah. That's, roughly. Plus yeah. or minus. Yep. A couple of days. Okay. right. 150 A.D. And so this is what he's written. Now, we're going to read this. Uh, this is what Sunday worship looked like in Rome. Right. Right? And this, come by the way, w- the stuff we're going to read all comes from chapters 61 through 67. We're going to pull pieces out of it, but okay. let's just read along here, see what uh, St. Justin Martyr says. And on the day called Sunday, okay, that sound familiar? I'm stopping right there. All the, On the day <laughs> called Sunday. Okay? So right. on the day of the sun, the Sunday. Right. Okay, very good. So we get together on Sunday, right? All who live in cities or in the country gather together to one place. And the memoirs of the apostles or the writings of the prophets are read as long as time permits. Okay. Stop there for a second. Yeah. Okay. So the, the memoirs of the apostles and the writings of the prophets, what, what does that sound like?
0: Sounds like the Gospels. Sounds like the uh, New the, Testament. The writings. The, right. the
1: readings of, from Scripture. Right. Right. So we the Psalms, yeah. the, the, the Old Testament prophets. Yep. And, of course, the memoirs of the apostles. This is the New Testament. So these documents are being circulated around all this early church. So here we are 150 years into existence, about 120 years after Christ ascended, and they're passing around all these documents. Remember, there's no Bible. Right. There is no Bible. There's no beautifully bound, leather bound, you know, gold gilded edges with little tabs that says Holy Bible, <laughs> right? There's no book like that. Right. They're passing around parchment documents. Right that are the memoirs of the apostles the writings of, of St Paul right and of course the writings of the prophets and so we're they're reading these things now there is a little bit of a double edged sword here mm-hmm. as long as time permits That's
0: an interesting line.
1: Yeah, you look at that and you go well think think about that nowadays do we get a little nervous when mass goes over 55 minutes
0: Oh, people are getting antsy they're they're they
1: start tapping their yeah. uh, their watch thinking okay monsignor that's enough. enough all right we're time to time to move on Right. So we should maybe learn from our Our ancient history as well, that they were a little, they were excited as long as time permits. They wanted to read these words. They poured over these words. Mm -hmm. It's like our liturgy of the word we have today in mass, right? Then when the reader has ceased, the president, okay, that's the presider. Right. We still call the priest, the presider, the presiding priest, the one who's running the mass, Mm -hmm. right? The president verbally instructs and exhorts to the imitation of these good things. What does that sound like? It's the homily. Exactly. So he hears these readings, and then everything stops, and the presider, the president, the priest, who's presiding over the mass, stops and gives a homily. He preaches, exhorting people to these good things that you've just heard in these memoirs and these writings from the prophets. Right? Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? It does. Then we all rise together and pray, and as We've said before, when our prayer is ended, bread and wine and water are brought, and the president, in like manner, offers prayers and thanksgivings according to his ability, meaning he's the one able to do it. Right. So he says, what? The Eucharistic prayer. Right. So after the homily, wine the and bread are offered right. on behalf of the people. Right. Right? And so just like in the order of Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. So we bring that out, the wine and the bread, and then the priest the presider the president says prayers over them as he is able to do right so he says the eucharistic prayers and then he says and the people assent saying amen right now suddenly we all realize this is the great amen that we all say amen at mass after the eucharistic prayer when right. the elevation when yeah. he holds up that host and we look there and we say And he says, behold, you know, when we look at that now, through him, with him, in him, now suddenly we are beholding the Lamb of God. We're looking there and we're seeing in that. And we say the great amen. We believe. Right. And he says elsewhere in this document, he says, and all the people present express their assent by saying amen. This word amen answers in the Hebrew language as so be it. That means we agree. Right. We agree. And he goes on later. And he talks about, actually, it's earlier than what I was reading before, but it's another part of the document. He says, and this food is called among us Eucharist, of which no one is allowed to partake, but the man who believes that the things which we teach are true and who has been washed with the washing that is for the remission of sins. In other words, only the baptized Catholic who believes what we believe about the Eucharist is allowed to partake. Sounds familiar. Okay, this is 150 years into into life, right? This is right. A, a 150 A.D. So 2,000 years after the time of Jesus, we're still doing the same exact thing. Right. Right? So Catholics, you know, where do you get this idea that only you are allowed to participate in this Eucharist? Well, it's always been so. Right. This is not new. Right. And there's a lot more that's not new that we're going to talk about. Great. When we get back. Right. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
2: I'm Beth and this is another great moment in church history. Converting from one faith or religious tradition to the Catholic faith should be a beautiful, life-fulfilling occasion for the believer. But it can also be a stressful and emotionally painful one, as family and friends may passionately disagree with the convert's choice, especially since that choice is Catholic. That's why it's good to know that there are those who have gone before us, those who have blazed the trails and fought the battles. These converts serve as shining examples and beacons of hope for converts as they draw ever near the church that Jesus founded some 2,000 years ago. We look to these saints as role models and we ask them to pray with us to God for our spiritual well-being. After all, Jesus himself told us in the 22nd chapter of Matthew's Gospel that God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And St. Paul told the Romans in chapter 8 of his letter that even death cannot separate us from the love of God. So these holy ones who have gone before us are there, alive, in heaven, as patrons to help us and support us on our journey. There are many patron saints of Catholic converts. St. John the Baptist was a prophet in Jesus' day who prepared the way for the coming of the Christ. He preached a message of repentance to the people of Jerusalem and converted many. St. Afra was a prostitute in early Rome. During the Diocletian persecutions, she and her mother hid their bishop. During the incident, the bishop converted them, and St. Afra then devoted herself to working with the poor, converting many along the way. Later, she was ordered to sacrifice to pagan gods, but she refused. She was martyred for her love of Jesus. St. Flora of Cordoba was born into a Muslim family. She and her mother converted to Christianity, but were persecuted for their faith in Christ. She took a private vow of chastity and spent much of her time ministering to prisoners, converting many to the faith. She too died a martyr's death, tortured and beheaded in the mid ninth century. Saint Lucian spent his early life as a sorcerer and worshipper of demons. But he converted to Christianity after a woman had fended off one of his spells with the simple but powerful sign of the cross. He spent the remainder of his days explaining the true Christian religion and working against error. He was martyred in the mid-3rd century. These are just a few of the many, many saints who were converts to the faith and are still active today in the conversion and winning of souls for Christ. I'm Bess Zimski and this is another great moment in church history.
1: Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, and I'm still sitting here with Tom Dorian, wingman. Yes, Tom sir. Tom Dorian, Tommy, 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 Tommy. What Dorian, a treat for Dorian. you. What a treat for you. It is a treat for me. I can tell. Absolutely, and this donut <laughs> is not a treat. It's just being here with you. It's a bad for us. So here we are. We're talking about Saint Justin Martyr. We now we just heard in that little section from my my lovely wife Bess, We hear about all these saints who have gone before us and blazing trails. And mm-hmm. it's good to have those. And here we have Saint Justin Martyr. Right. And along with the, all the other saints who blaze the trail of the Mass. Right. For us. Yeah. And so it's good to have those people who've done all this, written it down, documented it, and we can go back and look and see what those saints do. Yeah. Well, here we're reading about St. Sure, Justin Martyr. Make sure we're on track. Absolutely. We're staying on track. We're staying in touch with our tradition. Yeah. Right? We didn't just kind of make all this stuff up. So here we are. We just heard about this great amen mm-hmm. that we say amen to. And we're talking about St. Justin Martyr. And he talks about the concept of Eucharist. And yeah. what he says about Eucharist is, is great. He says, For not as common bread and common drink do we receive these, but in like manner as Jesus Christ our Savior, having been made flesh by the Word of God... Had both flesh and blood for our salvation, so likewise have we been taught that the food which is blessed by the prayer of his word, the Eucharistic prayer, right, right. what's being said at Mass, and from which our blood and flesh by transmutation are nourished, in other words, that we're nourished right. physically and spiritually by this heavenly food, mm-hmm. is the flesh and blood of that Jesus who was made flesh. Yeah. Right. For the apostles in the memoirs composed by them, which are called gospels, have thus delivered unto us what was enjoined upon them, that Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, said, This do ye in remembrance of me, this is my body. And after that, after the same manner, having taken the cup and given thanks, he said, This is my blood, and gave it to them alone. So
0: this is... Big stuff. Yeah. I love where he says, having been taught. So the question becomes, oh, okay, who taught you? That's right. Yeah. Well,
1: these are the saints. And if these are the he's saints. that close,
0: right, if he's that close, had to be the apostles, it had to be somebody that was right there.
1: Well, here's the here's the cool you know thing I mean? about that. Absolutely. Look at this for a second. This is written in 150 A.D. Right. So we look at this at 150 A.D. you think, well, that's a long time ago from us now. Mm-hmm. And, Tom, you weren't alive in 150 A.D., were you? was no, not. No, you were not. Uh, no. you got a little gray hair, but not that much gray no. hair. Right? None of us were. Right. In fact, we don't have many uh, relatives who probably were alive. It well, wasn't even one, alive
0: 150 years that, ago, Deacon Jeff.
1: Well, let's look at it this way. But what the, 150 A.D. was about 120 years after Jesus ascended. Right. So after the life and times of Jesus on this earth. Yeah. 120 years after that. Yeah. L- here they are, 150 A.D., mm-hmm. doing things. That some people today look at and go, well, that's crazy. That whole mass thing they're doing, that's crazy. I don't know where they get that from. Right. So they're doing that stuff 120 years after Jesus ascended. Right. Well, let's look at our own history right now. Here we are okay. in the 2000s, right? And, and we go back 120 years. Yep. We, go, we go back to, you know, maybe even a little further than that, we go back to the Civil War. Yeah. We can look at the Civil War mm-hmm. and we can see everything. We know what happened in the Civil War. We know how many people died, precisely where some of these people died. We know we have pictures. We have evidence. We have even word of mouth from people who knew someone. Right. Right. And very few people can ever really come to you and say, well, here's what really happened in the Civil War. You just don't know it. You can't pull the wool over anybody's eyes. Everybody knows about it. Right. And that is 140, 150 years ago. Right. Well, here's 120 years same, same
0: after Jesus was around. A, this is a great point.
1: That's and, a great point. And so they can't just, like, pull the wool over everybody's eyes and say, oh, we just kind of made all this stuff up. I hope you all believe it's what really happened. Right. <laughs> no, this is like they're just doing what they've been taught orally, right. verbally. They've been taught this by people who knew. you know. And, and back then, the way things were passed on were right. basically from the master to the apprentice. Right. And you learned at the foot of a great master. Right. Right. And what, what, what they said, you, just, you hung on every word. Exactly. Now, see, we, now we have the benefit of things like documentation. We have all these things that are written in digital form. We have pictures. We have video. We have iPhones out there taking pictures of everything, right? So we have all this documentation. But the reality is back then they didn't have that, but they had this word of mouth. And so the idea that some of the same words that St. Justin Martyr is using are the same words that St. Paul used even 20 years after Christ right. was saying the same words at the Last Supper. Yeah. These words have been carefully protected and handed down. They're not something that someone just made up. Right. And so now we're seeing this in this form of a, of a mass, right. a worship experience that, that Justin Martyr is describing which is the same thing. If you walk into any Catholic church, it's going to be the same thing that you see today. Yeah. And, it, and it, it's That's just beautiful. Well, It's just so amazing to me. You know, and again, after we see this, this great event, the, the people assent, saying, amen. Mm-hmm. This is, and there is a distribution to each and the participation that over which thanks have been given. And to those who are absent, a portion is sent by the deacons. Mm-hmm. I'm a deacon. Yeah. So even back then they had these deacons. Who would carry, they would distribute food, they would distribute the Eucharist to the people present, and then they would carry a portion. To the ones who couldn't make it. Right, the ones who couldn't make it, because it was important for them to be. Which happens today. Absolutely. We still have this ministry to the sick, to the infirmed. Right. And still you'll have deacons carrying this. And 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 doing that now you also have extraordinary ministers who will do the same thing and priests carry in that little round right. golden box that little round uh, well it's like a pill box but it's a pix it's it's what we we carry the blessed sacrament in right to to those people who are infirmed who can't make it to mass why because this is a spiritual food meant for the spiritual healing and sustenance of the people and sustaining of the people. So they even did that back then. That's how important this stuff was, was done. And they who are well to do and willing give what each thinks fit and what is collected is deposited with the president, with the priest to comfort the orphans and the widows and those who through sickness and any other cause are in want and those who are in bonds and the strangers sojourning among us and in a word takes care of all who are in need. Beautiful stuff. That's what we do. I know. We take a collection at every mass. I know. This is for those people who need and the church cares for the widows, the orphans, those who are sick, those who have lost their jobs. I mean people come to the church. Yep. right to be healed spiritually with the with the graces that come in the sacraments, but also to have this this healing that comes from community right. that sometimes is a physical healing right. with with financial assistance some physical need you're taking care of and people that have money give what they yeah. can yeah now it doesn't specifically talk about 10% tithing right right but it says they give what they what they think fit right right and there are some biblical reasons why you might want to think 10% is a good number yeah. but you know what you need to give what you think fit
0: yeah, it could be 20 it could be 20. It could be more.
1: Yeah. But the point being, these are things that have been done for now 2, 2,000 years. years. Right. That's a pretty big
0: deal. That is a huge deal.
1: And so the people that look at that and think, well, y'all just made that up. Yeah. Well, you know, I can see where someone who's been divorced or distanced or separated from, from the church, from that that liturgy, it is so beautiful for yeah, the Catholic Church. Yeah, where they up with that? But it's where also it's really good for Catholics to hear this,
0: you know, because Catholics, you know, you kind of get in a habit; it's kind of routine. And
1: I got to tell you, earlier you in my I mean? life, absolutely earlier in my life, when someone would come up to me and say, "Well, where did you guys get the idea to to dress up like that? Yeah. To wear those dresses and whatnot, those really pretty fancy garments? Where did yeah. you get that idea from? Where did that come from?" Justin Martyr. Why? Why, <laughs> why did the Why did the folks? Why do the, why are your priests, like, why do they wash their hands before they do that? Where, where, do you get, where does that sign of the cross come from? Right. And, and you stop and realize, as a Catholic, you need to know that all of these things came from our history, from our tradition. And they were all born out of this experience. Now, granted, this is not a highly detailed vision of, of what mass was like back then. But it's something we would recognize. It is a it is a it is a it gets down to the bones. Right. Right. And some of the same stuff that they did then we still do today in that same way. Yeah.
0: So Justin Martyr, if he were fast forwarded to our generation, he would feel at home. He would recognize it.
1: He'd say, Oh yeah, this is where you're doing the profits. Or and he might say, Well, that's interesting how they did that and they work that in. Yeah. Because we have developed. Right. Or we've developed an appreciation. Yeah. I mean, things like, well, where do bells come from? Why right. do you all have bells? Some of it comes from the idea of that, that, that the, the use of the senses and the, and the attention that comes at the, at the, at, at the con- uh, consecration. Right. Right. Attention, attention. It's a
0: holy holy moment here. Pay That's attention. That's exactly. Pay
1: attention. This is important. Right. Christ is present. Right. You know, the, the, the ringing of the bells, uh, you know, helps us know that something has been ushered in. But at the same time. There, there are practical reasons why they rang bells, because they would be in these monasteries, and they'd be in the church in the monastery, and all the peasants working out in the field right. would be told that it's time that the Eucharist has just been consecrated, and they could actually go to the side door, and they could receive Holy Communion yeah. for that day. That, that really did happen. Oh, I know. And so they would hear those church bells. Those church bells let them know yeah. that this was taking place at this time. Yeah. And so this is a tradition that comes out of need, out of necessity, but also harkens to that symb- symbolism, that, that beauty and that gift that comes to the Mass, that Christ is here and present, yeah. that we, we, we still use. And it's so beautiful to it see those beautiful. connections. It is beautiful. So those church of, of I, church of Christ folks that, that, that I met with, yeah. they're looking for the restoration they need to look there no further. Is. They there need to walk is. around the corner to the Catholic church sitting <laughs> around the corner, and they're, they're going to find. It'll be like they're stepping back in time. Uh, you know what? It'll be beautiful. It'd We'd love to be. have them come and, visit. come and visit. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? I think we need to. Uh, we need to now. We're going to stop. We're going to. Uh, we're going to. We're going to close in prayer and okay. just ask God to bless us and this whole idea of of the blessing of the Mass, uh, the, the the gifts that that come to us from Holy Mass that's important for us to recognize yeah. and realize just how important that sacrament is to us. Oh yeah. Right. So if you're looking for old worship, you want to get back to the basics, right? Come to the catholic mass. Yeah. Cuz we got some documents here that say 150 AD they were doing the same thing we're doing right now. Yeah. All right. And if you and you can make connections to what we see in scripture as well. Yeah. So it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, let's pray. Let's do it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, you gave us the Holy Mass as an opportunity to unite ourselves more effectively in the one perfect sacrifice of your Son, Jesus. Help us to open ourselves to the realities and possibilities of your graces, which you make available to us in this holy joining of heaven and earth. And we ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. amen.